The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I am a sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay and I just heard that one in every three people in relationships are guilty of cheating. So now I'm worried, is it my husband or is it my boyfriend that's cheating? Uh, gosh, hopefully my guests can help me figure it out. Who's the cheater here? <laughs> uh, well, I'm clueless. So let's get right into it. Uh, listeners, I have a very, very special guest with me on the show today. Uh, Ibrahim, how are you? I am doing great. You're great. I am great. You look good. You look rested. You got a new piercing. I I pierced two piercings, two new piercings. Two new piercings. (laughs) Whatever you wanted, I was like, okay, let's go. I mean, you know what? If you're going to go for a piercing, you might as well go for you know, as many as you want. Get a Prince Albert if you wanted to. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've seen so many piercings on many different penises. Some going along the entire shaft. And I was like, oh, I don't know how that's going to go inside me. But yeah, it, but it looks nice, at least. It looks nice, right? <laughs> you know, como se dice, muy hermoso. Muy bonito. Muy bonito. <laughs> well, tu eres muy hermoso también, you know. <laughs> You're definitely one of the best, better looking uh, guests on the show besides me, of course. But, you know. I'm going to step back a little bit. You have your spotlight, yeah. No, no, no. We are two very good looking individuals on the show. But I, besides our looks, I wanted you to come on to talk about cheating. Um, because you're like, what, a therapist? And like, you, I mean, tell the people who you are and what you do. Like I have like this eclectic training and, and, and background. So I'm right now working towards my PhD in clinical psychology. So I do uh, psychotherapy and uh, psychological assessment. And in the past, I also got certified as a sex educator, just like you, uh, but by the Mexican Association for Sexual Health. So it's a, it's a different, you know, institution. It's a because different... Latinos have sex differently. Yeah, exactly. We were so... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, Muy pasión. Um, <laughs> so I got I got that training too, and uh, I also received a, a lot of training in the area of uh, couples therapy. And back home, I used to do a lot of clinic, well, therapeutic work with couples as well, and with individuals and adults. Here in Canada, I'm, I'm starting to engage again with that type of clinical work. Right now, I'm mostly working with individuals and groups, but you know, I have a a little bit of experience with these topics so uh I'm, okay I'm really 
Perfect. So you're like the most qualified person to talk about cheating and <laughs> or at least navigate <laughs> cheating at the very least. <laughs> so uh, let's get down to the basics first. What's sure. cheating? What is it? <sighs> you know, I knew that you were going to ask that question because that's basically, you know, like the introduction. to. <laughs> I've never <laughs> cheated. Yeah. <Not> me. <laughs> Little old me. So innocent. <laughs> you know what? Like the, the thing is that with uh, with cheating, there are so many different explanations or definitions. I'd say definitions of what cheating entails, right? Because it very much depends on you know uh, the people who are involved and the specific context and the place and the time and so on. And this happens a lot with uh, definitions or constructs that have to do with human relationships and human behavior. But personally, I like to define cheating or infidelity as kind of like a boundary crossing in regard to the fidelity agreement between romantic partners. So we want to put it a little bit more formal and differently in a different fashion. So it's when people engage in behaviors that go against mutually shared ideals of faithfulness that have been agreed upon by romantic partners in the context of a relationship. Mm -hmm. So this is this puts us in a difficult position because then it's like kind of like wishy-washy language. What does this mean? Yeah, come um, on. We're all stupid here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how can I put it in a different way? So, you know what? In the end, uh, infidelity or cheating normally takes us to this place of thinking about a, a sexual affair, engaging in, sex, in sexual contact or having sex with someone who's not your partner, your romantic partner. That's where uh, people's minds go to directly when one talks about infidelity or cheating. Right. And there's a certain level of truth to that because it resonates with a lot of individuals when they think about uh, uh, infidelity. It's like, oh, sex is happening outside of the relationship. But it can also mean other things. It can also mean, for example, in, in these days of uh, connectivity and online um, interactions with others, um, maybe, I don't know, uh, webcam sex with someone else or sexting with someone else. What about a platonic relationship with someone who's not your partner? Is that cheating? So there's no single definition of cheating because it relies entirely on what partners perceive or define as fidelity or as faithfulness in their relationship. So that's so why I want to define not necessarily it as sex. It's not necessarily just sex. Not then. necessarily just sex. I wouldn't say that. I think that people... And it's important in terms of their self-awareness, trying to pinpoint what does cheating mean to me and to my partner or partners. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. I follow that. I follow that. I mean, for me, I like, okay, I'll be honest. I have been cheated on, mm -hmm. but also I feel like that was part of my fault. Um, and you can probably like do some input on this, but basically the last relationship I was in was back in 2015 and uh, the relationship ended as quickly as it started. It was like a three month summer fling. And, and what happened was that when he broke up with me three months into the relationship, like, okay, first of all, he was the one that said, I love you first after like a week of dating. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I love you too. Ah. 
Exactly, you know. (laughs) After a week, you know, you know the gays. We're just so quick to rush in as we're quick to rush out, you know, just like the popper rush. No. Um (laughs) No, but um like okay, I don't here's the thing. I'm not exactly sure if I can even accuse him of cheating because first of all, we never even like had the talk of what is considered fidelity so Mm -hmm. but but here's the thing i still felt wronged because he slept with three other people in our relationship so it was like you know who's at fault there what 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 went wrong yeah 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 and you know what that's very common i don't think that i've met a lot of people who say you know i always sit down with my potential partners or when i'm starting a relationship and i have this conversation about expectations and uh, expectations also involving how are we going to manage, you know, uh, sexual exclusivity or are we going to be open and whatnot. And that's that's actually rare that I find people who... Who, who have that conversation. Who that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing is that when it comes to fidelity or uh, to being faithful, there's this, there's like this surface level understanding, uh, for example, that it involves sex outside of the relationship because that's what we've been fed the information that we received since we were little we grew up in this society and that's kind of like the understanding as i was telling you earlier of what cheating may may entail or what it looks like but there's also nuances to uh to cheating or to uh infidelity that need to be addressed right as i was telling you maybe other behaviors could also be hurtful could also signal to one of the partners that there's some sort of rupture or rift when it comes to um, you know, faithfulness or, or this uh, commitment to be together. But if it's not disclosed, if it's not talked about, then that sets up the whole situation for a potential disappointment or a hurtful um, situation. But that's, that feels like such an awkward... No, I, I agree, but that feels like such an awkward conversation to bring oh, yeah. up. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's yeah. going to be uncomfortable and people are not going to like it and they're going to feel kind of like icky and such. Yeah. No, I don't like it. No me gusta. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, at this point, it's not like even like I also feel like a little bit like oh, I need to have that. <laughs> it, it feels weird because it's like okay, I'm just like you know being you know my cold-hearted Aquarius self. So I'm just like anything with emotions and feelings. Oh, I'm a Capricorn. Goodbye. Capricorn. <laughs> you're you're very like you know uh, no Capricorn's not fire. You're Earth. You're grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that's well, the image that I portray. Yeah, <laughs> but deep down, we're just like really emotional yeah, yeah, and vulnerable. <laughs> it's my Pisces moon. I'm that <laughs> emotional water sign that I want to hide from the entire oh, world. <laughs> no, okay. So, having these kinds of conversations, mm-hmm. what does that even sound like? <sighs> I think that it it, it it's gonna look like uh, whatever type of conversation it is that you want to have with your partner. You can take many different shapes or forms, right? Some people might have more of a lighthearted approach to it. Some people might feel really, really uncomfortable uh, touching Me. upon this. Guilty. I remember, <laughs> no, even like I remember the first time that I tried to have a conversation like this, I was so distressed that I even try to have, have it over text. Because, you know, it's a little bit more impersonal. And at least you have like, hey, there's evidence that we talked about this. Oh, God. Uh, but in the end, 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to judge if a particular way or approach is better than the other. But I do think that's something that needs to be put on the table. And not a lot of people do it on a regular basis. And maybe, you know, it doesn't need to be like, hey, let's uh, meet up at 9 p.m. on a Friday, have dinner and talk about our expectations kind of thing. <laughs> it's It can come up in, you know, casual conversation about, you know, the future and where people would like to see the potential relationship going, right? Right. There's many different ways. And that's something that's key to when you're building a relationship with another person or other persons. Right, right. How early should I be bringing this up? Like, can I say it on the first date or do I wait? To, you know? <laughs> you say that you love the person after a first date. <laughs> you want to have their baby. Wow. I just opened up to you and you're going to use that against me? Rude. Okay, bye. No. <laughs> you know, that's how it works with me. You want to know, like, Here's the thing, like, in, in reality, there's no strict rules. There, 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 there are no strict rules when it comes to having this, uh, this conversation. Because also, you know, people go out on dates and you have the first date and then you say, hey, this might be interesting. I, I want to pursue this person, so I want to get to know them better. And little by little, you start noticing that you like the person's company and that you would like to, you know, focus your uh, interest and attention on that particular person. And naturally and organically, people start touching upon, you know, aspects of what they would like to see in a relationship or what they're looking for. That might be perfect timing. Another point in timing, which it would be crucial for you to talk about it, this if you want to take it to the next level and say, OK, we're official and, you know, officially in a relationship. Or even, you know, if you want to get married, like <laughs> before getting married, <laughs> you know, let's talk about this. How is this going to work? Uh, how, this is, how is it going to look like? You're going to say it right at the altar. I know, right? Like, give me a second. <laughs> before let's I put this ring on, let's let's yeah. like make some shit clear here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's part of know, my vows. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a hard conversation. Or let me rephrase that. It can be a difficult conversation because we're not used to that. We are... We grew up in an environment that told us that because of these ideals of romantic love, our partner should know. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Our partner should know what fidelity, what, you know, uh, making room for our love to grow kind of thing looks like. Look. Look. And yeah, that it's much more complicated. Than that. Uh, but simplify it for us, Ibran. <laughs> <laughs> Have the conversation. Okay. You know? So having that conversation, yeah. like yeah. whether it be, I don't know, before marriage or first date, yeah. um, what are some things that should be brought up? Like, because um, I feel like it would be very inappropriate on the first date if I was like, um, hey, so I don't like you having sex with anyone else. <laughs> like, um, I mean, that's that's the, that, that's what I mean when, when you talk about how you phrase things, because I've definitely had situations in which it's the first date and I talk about my overview about relationships, right? Like, you know, um, I've tried open relationships in the past. Uh, I've explored a little bit of like polyamory and try to understand it better. I did monogamous, exclusive, sexually exclusive relationships and so on. And I start touching upon my views on what fidelity means, what infidelity means, um, trust in a relationship, how that looks mm. like. You know, not necessarily saying like, hey, I'm dating you or I'm going out on dates with you. Please don't sleep with anyone else. <laughs> Can it please just be that easy, though? <laughs> exactly. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it, 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 I think it begs also 
self-reflection because you want to be very clear in terms of what are these boundaries for you. Because, you know, relationships, romantic relationships are quite vulnerable, are quite vulnerable because you're opening up. And uh, when things don't work out or when, you know, a, a situation where infidelity or cheating comes up, it can be quite hurtful and devastating for some people. So if you want to address that from the beginning and try to make things work in a different fashion, setting those expectations, uh, talking about sex and sexual needs also, because sometimes people tend to think, you know, like infidelity or cheating response to unmet sexual needs that we, we can talk about that later. That's not mm -hmm. necessarily the case. Right. But it's also an important conversation. Like, what are your sexual needs? Like, do, are you open to the idea or the understanding that in relationships they fluctuate? Like, you know, the, the intensity, the frequency of sex fluctuates. It goes up and down and such. And what are other things that you're looking for in a relationship um, that maybe they, they can be fulfilled in, in, in other ways or that perhaps the relationship cannot provide you? Like sleeping with other men? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, could be. And if you know that from like from day one, then you know what it is that you're working with and you can make a conscious decision. Okay. Fair. And then you will love you. Fair, fair. Okay. Exactly. Um so before, like in that story, I was I thought I was monogamous, or at least I tried to be monogamous until I did some more self-reflection and I was honest to myself that like I there's just no way I can be monogamous. I would identify more with the relationship orientation of like open relationship, you know? So I want to go home, you know, with the same guy every night and sleep in the same bed as him, but there's no way in hell I'm just going to be fucking him for the rest of my life because my body's for everyone. That's why my yeah. hole is so huge and no. <laughs> embracing <laughs> right like yeah. this you know there's a velvet rope to my butt so for everyone to <laughs> take a number of people <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, fair fair and right great that you have this understanding because in that way you can communicate it to okay right so do i communicate something like that right out of the gate you tell me would you feel Ooh. comfortable doing that right out of the gate? Oh, okay. Wow. What? I have never asked myself that question. Wow, you really threw me a curveball. This is my show. What are you doing? There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm paying for this. So you mm. keep it up. Okay. Honestly, I feel like I would need to gauge how they are first mm -hmm. on the right. first date. And then like maybe after a couple dates, if they're like, hey, you want to go steady? I'd be like... I got to tell you some things before we go steady. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then if they don't take it well, I'm going to like, you know, like blame it all on me and be like, no, I let a good one go. <laughs> and then that's kind of like the level of discomfort that you're going to have to deal with. And then that's okay. It's just discomfort. It's going to, it's going to go away at some point. No, know? it won't. No, I'm it kidding. Won't, it'll just stay there and linger. <laughs> just and stay linger there and like a leech long. and you mm -hmm. can't even take it out. Uh, but, like, how do we get through that discomfort? Like, do we start with the self-reflection and then that's where we start opening up or what? You, you, you told me that you've been through, uh, from ex you've had an experience in which you were cheated on. Mm -hmm. right? And maybe you are well acquainted with how it feels. 
Oh, God. (sighs) I worked that out in therapy. Let us not go down that. No, I'm kidding. Yes. I've I've worked throughout that. But yes, it sucked. Of course. No, it can be quite painful. Devastating to many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if you're able to tune in with that experience and what you learned about that, there's a lesson behind experiencing we're going through uh through things like this through through situations like this in the context of a, of a romantic relationship so once you you have all of this hurt and this pain and you processed it and you understand what it's what it's telling you there's at least one message there that you know being in a relationship with someone who is able to manage or respect your boundaries is important mm. that's very relevant for you Right? Ooh, one more and, time for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like that, that's what's telling you. It hurts so much because it's so relevant. It's so important for you. It's something that you want. Mm-hmm. That's what hurt mm-hmm. is telling you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you can think about it and say, how can I set up myself for the next time that I'm in a similar situation like this? I can reduce the likelihood to an extent that a similar situation is going to happen or that it's not on me. Because as you were saying, it sounded like you were dealing with some like, oh, was it me because I didn't point it out? Was it me because I didn't actually work out on what it meant to be with other people or not? Mm-hmm. All these questions are going to be answered because you're going to be straightforward and you're going to be very clear in what it is that you want mm-hmm. out of this relationship. Also, uh, not to defend him or anything, but he was closeted at the time of our dating. So, <laughs> I mean, And that helps you bring a little bit more of empathy, perhaps, to the situation. I know nope, it's, it's I hate him. I still want him dead. <laughs> Been there too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want him dead. I want his death to look like an accident. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no. Whatever, wherever he is right now, I don't know. But like, good fucking luck. I hope mm-hmm. you stay in your retail job forever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Clearly, I'm over it. <laughs> you are. You are. You want me to refer to someone? Oh, no, um, I'm going to therapy. I'm paying like 130 bucks for it an hour. I get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, shifting the conversation a little bit to a more like, I don't know, societal standpoint. Like, have you noticed in your practice or just like in general, are there specific types of people who are more prone to cheating? <sighs> You know, that can be very anecdotal because I can speak from my own perspective and my own practice. And that's just like a small sector of the population, a very, very small sector of the population in Mexico, you know, that I was working (laughs) with, that it's not entirely representative of society as a whole. And uh, I also thought that you were going to be interested in like statistics and such. I am. I am. Drop drop the facts, mama. Things easier to an extent to kind of like absorb and comprehend and you know, and I, at the same time, I'm not very fond of them. And this is why. Bear with me. Bear with me. Because when we talk about statistics, we need to take into consideration where the stats come from. Normally, when we share, you know, like, oh, like more men than women uh, end up cheating in their relationships when they're in, a, you know, in marriage, we need to take into consideration that they might be speaking about heterosexual couples mm-hmm. uh, in North America maybe the US and maybe a certain, uh, you know, uh, like socioeconomic level. So is that representative of society as a whole? Can we say men or male identified people overall cheat more? 
I think so. No, but (laughs) that's just me, like, you know, parroting my hatred of men, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, Inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. There's some data points, definitely. But I'm always very careful when I talk about statistics because we need to contextualize them to be mindful of where they're coming from, right? So, for example, there's some stats that talk about, as I was telling you, uh, men are at a greater likelihood of cheating. Uh, both when they're in a married or an unmarried relationship. But then when we take a closer look at the stats, then we see that when it comes to uh, comparison by by age, then we have like uh, this very interesting data point that says, oh, well, millennial cohorts, uh, when we we look at millennial cohorts, we see an opposite tendency because it's women who seem to be more likely to cheat. No way. Millennials. And I was like, okay, like, it blew my mind. And then you compare younger people with older people, and you'd say, well, younger people, maybe they're more, you know, like open minded, whatnot, and and they're more likely to cheat. No, it seems like older people, I think about like 50 or such, more likely to cheat on their spouses than younger people, let's say closer to Gen Z, so to speak. Okay. the same point or the same uh, the same argument that I brought up in the very beginning. What's the definition that they're using in order to quantify or to measure cheating? Is it only sex? Mm, mm, is, it mm, is it kissing? Right. Is it because they held hands with someone in the parking lot? Oh like, shit! Yeah, you know, right? Like scandal. Looking <laughs> exactly. So I'm very. Why careful. are you looking at him? Huh? Exactly. Why can't you look at me? Exactly. So in the end. Going back to this uh, question that you asked in terms of uh, people who are more prone to cheat or not, I'm going to be blatantly honest. According to available information, what I what I feel confident asserting this, cheating is very common. Um, is kind of like uh, ubiquitous in society ever since romantic relationships and marriage and whatnot became a thing. For human so, like, beings. literally from the beginning of time? From the beginning of time. Yeah, it has been a thing. And... Puta madre. Exactly. Yeah. And in and, and the end, anyone. Like, the, the, anyone could fall into that category. and Anyone could fall into these behaviors or engaging in this way uh, and, and crossing that boundary, right? Even when you're in a happy relationship. And that's something that's uh, hard to swallow, like a, a difficult-to-swallow pill. And we know how hard things are to swallow. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something about that. So I, <laughs> that's, that's you tried to it. choose like, your words carefully. <laughs> I said it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I give you, I, I give you an easy, an easy yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's true, and and I feel confident saying that it's very common. It's very common, uh, regardless of gender, age, sex, sex, socioeconomic class, sexual orientation, and even relationship models, because it happens when it's a monogamous, traditional, very heteronormative relationship. Even in polyamory and open relationships? Yes. Because if you think about it, if you think about the definition, is whatever it is that partners have established as being unfaithful. And when you think about polyamory and open relationships, at least there's been a conversation about what's allowed and what's not allowed. Right? And what's permitted and and what's okay. And when people in these relationships say, okay, no, like they end up acting in ways opposite to those agreements then by definition, that's infidelity too. Am I right? Yeah. Fuck. I'm going to be single forever. Jesus. <laughs> 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 this part of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> this 
singles club and then we're all gonna get together and then we're gonna start cheating on each other (laughs) for another podcast no but but seriously and and that's the thing because when you come to accept that this is something that we deal with and there's several different maybe uh explanations or theories about why this behavior is present or why things like these happen and even though it's common, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen in every single relationship. So we need to to balance both, right? Like the fact that it's mm. common does not mean that it's going to happen. I feel and, like it is, but you scared me into dating now. Yeah, I know. Sometimes <laughs> people are like, oh, you're so pessimistic. And I was like, no, I'm realistic. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen. Ooh, yes, yes. So, yeah, I think that that uh, allows you, gives you a little bit more freedom in terms of how you want to build your relationships from now on. Because it stops being a taboo. It stops being a, like, this is something that I don't want to talk about because I don't want to, you know, like, increase the chances of it happening. Like, if I say it. <laughs> We're jinxing it. Thinking? Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, um, as, uh, going back to your question, right, uh, I would say, again, uh, it's, a common, it's a common thing, yet doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen in every single relationship. And I think that people from different age, age groups, genders, sexual orientations, socioeconomic classes, and such are, or could engage in uh, mm-hmm. My heart. Mi yeah. corazón. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes! Hello, all my little sluts. It's me, Mama Slut. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just wanted to hop on here real quick to let you in on a sexy little deal. Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's D-A-L-E-K-U-D-A dot com, and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me, 25% off, and cherry on top, free shipping, oh my god. (laughs) I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me, and... Girl, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train. I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code SEXEDWITHTIM for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> Hey, you disgusting pervs. We all like sex toys, right? Nipple clamps, vibrators, masturbators, oh my. Good For Her has one of the best selection of sex toys, learning resources, online workshops, and gender expression materials you can't find anywhere else. Go to goodforher.com and use code SEXED with TIM10 for 10% off your purchase of any of the toys bought online. That's G-O-O-D-F-O-R-H-E-R.com and the code S-E-X-E-D-W-I-T-H-T-I-M-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your purchase of any of the toys bought online. And they ship worldwide. Trans-inclusive, feminist, and pleasure-focused, Good For Her has been doing the Lord's work since 1997, bringing you everything you need to get that... Uh... 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 
The show is about to begin. Yes. It it just sounds so like painful to hear that anyone can cheat. So like why the hell does it happen? What's going on through those cheaters' minds? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and and I don't want to be like a you know, like people take me like, oh, you're a pro like betrayal and such. I think it's very seriously, and I think it's it it has it's potentially a potentially traumatic almost traumatic situation for a lot of people. It involves yep. a lot of emotional turmoil. It can take a long time for people to overcome it. it. It can be very, very, very difficult to process. And it brings about a lot of pain. Yes, I understand it. And, and I want to be also very uh, concise and, and highlight that. The fact that I accept or emphasize that this is something that's happening out there does not mean that I am uh, lenient about it mm. but why does it happen and, and and i have you know through my readings and practice and training where i've come up across several different explanations and understandings um because you know people like to come up with a shit ton of different uh their own theories <laughs> and why whatever bullshit x or y yes mm. so overall we can say that cheating or infidelity happens by a myriad reasons and the thing is that we normally tend to think that cheating happens because there are things that are not working out in a relationship. And that turns into this justification or explanation as to why it happens that comes to mind. Oh, that person cheated because they weren't happy in their relationship. Something was happening. There wasn't, you know, any sexual intimacy. Communication went awry, like after the second year of marriage and so on. Mm -hmm. But as I was telling you, Cheating can happen even in happy or satisfactory or satisfying relationships. I have three ideas in mind, and, and I'm going to try to organize them to share them with you. And you can tell me if it makes sense or no. I'm going to try my best. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best to verify. I said I was a sex educator, but I didn't say I was a good one. So <laughs> Yeah, just verify it. Me neither. Me neither. I have a shit ton of, you know, like certificates and diplomas. I don't know what they mean. So. This bullshit paper? Nah. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Number one, I think about, yes, sometimes infidelity can reflect difficulties in a relationship. Problems with intimacy. Um, sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, uh, problems with communication, some unmet needs or constraints or stresses within relationship and so on. And bear with me for a second, because if we step back for a minute and we look at how the landscape of romantic relationships has changed in the past 300 years. Mm -hmm. So when we look at relationships in the 21st century, we say, oh, they're completely different to what was happening, or at least in the westernized world, back in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. So romantic relationships and marriage in the past used to be kind of like an agreement that uh, gave people kind of this level of stability and uh, financial security and even like social status. And it was almost a, like an arrangement. It was an arrangement between families to, you know, get their children together and, and, and do something. Purely like for that. economic reasons. Exactly. And the thing is that the expectation there was like, you're not marrying because of love. You're marrying because this is the next money. step. Money. <laughs> you're going to have kids. There's going to be money. You're going to be stable. End of story. Right? 
But now fast forward to the 21st century, and now people in the westernized world, again, I don't want to generalize, um, some, oftentimes they choose to be in a relationship out of their free will. Their choice is based on love and affection and uh, not because of duty or obligation, right? So this today, many people decide to be in relationship or to get married based on that love and affection and whatever ideals are attached to I don't know culture. what those two words mean, love and affection. <laughs> I know, right? Not in my dictionary. But keep going. <laughs> the thing is that when you look at those shifts, right, these changes have led to some adjustments in terms of the expectations and the meanings attached to infidelity. And also, now people expect that their relationships are going to fulfill them in so many different ways. Him. So you're going to look for a partner in crime, a best friend, a confidant, a passionate lover, a life partner, someone who's good with kids, you know, all of that. Someone with a big dick. Exactly. Yeah. And who can, you know, have sex six times in a row in, in a single <laughs> dick. In a yes. Family. Exactly. So all of that in a single person. And truth is that relationships and individuals in relationships, you know, they, they, they fluctuate and, and start adjusting and change throughout time. Mm-hmm. So when we have these ideals of what our relationship looks like, because we're like, oh, I'm, I'm in this relationship because he, she, or they are providing me with all these, you know, um, things that fulfill my expectations and my needs. But then we become very rigid. We can become very rigid about how we're evaluating our relationships. And it's something happens and we don't keep in mind that relationships fluctuate and they hit walls and sometimes you need to work on them and such. Then we start thinking, oh, this might not be working out. Something's happening. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure involved there. So, yes, this may relate to a higher or a greater tendency mm. of, of, you know, this kind of behavior of crossing that boundary. That's right. one of my understandings and theories, right? And even, right. like, I'm going to put it this way. I'm, I'm sure you've heard from Esther. Esther Perel. Perel. Yeah. Yes. I love her, her book, Mating in Captivity. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great book, everyone, if you're listening. Mating in Captivity. In captivity. Yep. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. That's a great book, a, a mm-hmm. must read. So she puts it this way, right? So when we choose a partner, we choose a story. Like we're building a story with that partner. So in that moment, in the, in the 21st century, we become closed off to other potential loves. And we're talking about, you know, a monogamous kind of like traditional approach to relationships. But that does not mean that we don't remain curious about other stories that we could have taken part of. And that's understandable. Like the what if I have I had chosen that role? What if there was another potential, you know, relationship or another lover there? What if I slept with him? What if I fucked him? What if I went on exactly. this date? And, <laughs> and imagine that aligned with a shit ton of expectations that we now carry into our relationships. And you know, the hyper vigilance of like this must be working perfectly or else I'm out. Oh God, right? Like I want that fam- that fairy tale ending. Exactly. exactly. So that uh, might be the perfect scenario. That's my that's my first idea. I hope mm-hmm. I put it like like I shared it in a. In a you did. You did. I like that. Queer. Muy bien. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so, and the second thing is that it can also be reflective. You know, uh, infidelity, and that, this is also something that uh, Esther Perel, the couples therapist, famous, great books. Um, she also talks about how it can be reflective of something deeper within the person who is cheating. So a personal transition, a self-discovery, an identity crisis, the questioning of ideals that they hold for the relationship, like even 
if they're in a happy relationship, they might look at themselves and, and notice something and they act out on the basis of it, right? Right. The fact is that sometimes an affair doesn't have to do with a partner who's being cheated on or it doesn't have to do with the relationship at all. It has to do with the person who's actively engaging it. That can uh, also be so that's why my closeted ex-boyfriend cheated on me because he was figuring out his own shit? That's a good question that you need to take back to, <laughs> to therapy. Yeah, no, because because it's real. Like it might be, it, some people may have a very strong reaction to that. So, oh, like I need to be empathetic because this person was going through something and that's why they acted out. No, I, I'm vindictive. I'm vindictive. Yeah. I want revenge. And at the same time, there's a certain, there's like a kernel of truth there in terms of how this type of, 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 of extramarital affairs, of out, sex outside of the relationship, of infidelity, cheating, however you want to call it, it might be reflective of something happening within the person. Um, you know, this sense of like looking for more excitement or, or wanting to explore areas of their identity that they have not explored in the context of their relationship, but they don't want to mess with their relationship because things right now are great. They're very happy. They're very content in how things are. But there's this kind of like other area that they're struggling with and so on, right? That can also be a factor at play here. And the other idea that I wanted to share here with you, it comes from kind of like a little bit of biological evidence. So there's mm. another author that I want to recommend to you. Um, most likely you've already heard of, uh, of her, Helen Fisher. I believe so. Yeah. So she is a biological anthropologist. She's amazing. She has TED Talks and books. And she wrote a book. That's called, if I remember well, it's titled um, Why We Love. Like Aw, yeah, Why We Love. Um, was it Helen Fisher? Yeah. Why We Love the Nature and Chemistry. The nature and blah, blah, blah. Something yeah, yeah. right now with me, but yeah. yeah. So she has a three-pronged theory of love. And it's very, I find that very useful because it also explains from a biological perspective, you know, these conflicts that we have when we are in monogamous relationships or when we are, you know, with someone with a partner and then we start like experiencing, you know, maybe an attraction to someone else and such. So she and her team scanned the brains of people who were madly in love and realized that the regions associated with the reward system in their brains lit up when these people were shown pictures of the people or of their partners, Right. Which led them to the conclusion that love is a drive, not necessarily an emotion, and that it is more complex, and that it involves several different brain systems. And in their research, they find, or they found, that there's at least three interdependent brain systems that are related to the experience of love, of what we call love in romantic relationships in human beings. So first is the sex drive, mm-hmm. and the sex drive is kind of like this, uh, this system, this uh, brain system that leads people to put themselves out there in the search of a, of a sexual partner. And if you want to look at, look at it uh, uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, it's in order to mate. Right. Right. Which is like what in Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like a basic thing. Exactly. And then mm. we have the romantic love system, which has to do with, if you think about romantic love, you narrow all your options, you focus on that person and all your efforts are put onto that person. It's just constant mating in a sense, right? It's just increasing the likelihood of, you know, offspring and whatnot. This is their explanation. Again, it might be a little bit, you know, more on the biological end, but I find it useful to, to understand what's happening. So you have the sex drive, you have the romantic love drive, which, you know, makes you think about that person, just focus your attention emotionally and sexually and physically, and it's just that person for you. And you have the attachment 
drive. So the attachment is the one that gives you that level of companionship of, you know, you feel good with this person, you feel comfortable with them. And that's the one evolutionarily speaking that allows you to um, engage in child rearing efforts with a partner until they're, they are old enough so they can fend for themselves. Okay. I was and, like, forever? Uh, yeah, I know, like, until they're 33, 33. <laughs> right? Toronto is freaking pricey. Yeah, anyway, yep. So if you think about it, yeah, it's amazing. These three drives, sometimes they function interdependently, and they are aligned and they are activated with a single person. But it's not uncommon that the sex drive is activated with one person while the romantic love drive is activated with another one and you're attached to a third one. Right. Okay. Hence why there might be this kind of like proclivity or openness there for different ways of engaging that are different from our ideal of romantic love and fidelity. Mm, yes yes oh this reminds me of that book do you know the book um what was it called sex at dawn by christopher ryan that's another book that i wanted to that i wanted to to bring it yeah, up yeah 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 i mean what, what do you know about that book um so that book is very interesting because uh i also thought about like me you, you you told me about some of the questions that you wanted to answer today and one of them had to do with uh you know are we naturally the sign to be, I uh, think so, but like I, that feels very have. like you know Puritan in a way. But I don't want to go down that path. But yeah, what yeah, are your thoughts we, on? We this? don't need to go. Down that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a controversial topic. It is a controversial topic. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is that when you read that book, the authors have a very particular point of view. Mm-hmm. Right, they're more leaning towards the uh, you know human beings are polygamous. They're more open sexually. They they live in communities, like kind of like free sexual interactions. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just fucking and having orgies and like <laughs> left and right. <laughs> well, but, but but here's the thing: anthropological and historical evidence has led it has led experts to uh, draw contradictory conclusions. So some say you know evolutionarily speaking. Monogamy is important because it allows us to care for our children and join efforts in child rearing until they reach maturity, and it's important. And other people say, okay, yeah, we are social beings. We're prone to building community, and, you know, as a community, we fend uh, for ourselves better, and it's more than likely that sexual encounters evolved also as a means for social interaction and for, you know, cohesion, in a sense. Those are two postures, right, on the uh, different ends of the spectrum. And uh, I think that there's a little bit of truth behind both of them. Mm-hmm. So my, and this is my personal view of the topic, right? I'm going to highlight my. <laughs> Not scientific fact. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that after reading that and after reading a little bit more of the research where these uh, authors uh, made, like, they, 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 they included those, those uh, papers and studies onto their conclusions and personal theory. I do believe that uh, both this openness to multiple relationships at the sexual and romantic level and this ability to reach deeper levels of intimacy and connection with a one-on-one kind of partner, right? Our potentials, human potentials. So they can both work, but they require a lot of like effort and personal exploration. And there's no one size fits all for the modern human. I'm talking about the modern human. For some people, it might work great, this openness to multiple relationships. For others, it doesn't work. 
Is that why they might be prone to cheating? Because that doesn't work? It warrants at least, I'd say, a little bit of reflection. Mm. That's important. And that's part of the deconstruction of of relationships and romantic love. Okay, fair. Okay. You can do that. Sometimes, and I have a I have a colleague of mine who works back home, and she was telling me the other day. She was like, "You would not believe the number of people who arrive into my office saying I want to kind of like deconstruct romantic love, and I want to open up to you know open relationships and and polyamory, but I can't. It's too painful. It's too difficult. Like people pushing themselves to the level that they need to be that way, and and that's not it. That's not the idea." It's not, this is how it should be. It's what fits your personal values and your expectations and your learnings and your ways of living or experiencing relationships. Mm, That's okay. important to on that. Right. Oh, so much self-reflection, but like oh, so much work. So much work for us. I'm so lazy. So Can I just like, you know, be in a cheat? cheatless relationship just like that you know Uh, if only okay let me repeat that just so uh i and the listeners are on the same page so you said the first one was like just the changing modality of relationships the changing modality of relationships paired up with you know these uh, very rigid high expectations right and then the second one is like something is going on internally within the cheater. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one you said is just like a biological drive. Was that? Not necessarily a biological drive. I'd say that because of how we are hardwired as human beings, there is a proneness to perhaps, and, and this is also something that people may not feel comfortable accepting. You're going to be with a person, you're going to love that person, but that does not mean that you're not going to find other people attractive. Oh, right. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you, you can be a vegetarian, but the bacon is still going to smell good, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's also something to take into consideration. Right? Okay. When right. platonic relationships develop, it can maybe kind of like this romantic drive activating itself, right? But does right. that mean you don't love your partner anymore? Mm. Can, mm, God, oh, relationships are so much work. I hate this part about sex education. Ah, so dumb. It is oh, so frustrating. They can also be very rewarding, and that's why we keep doing it. Eh? Uh, gross. <laughs> I'm only doing it so I can find a sugar daddy to oh be my <laughs> Pay my <laughs> bills. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, there's also something else that does come up to in mind when we talk about cheating and I have a problem with this term, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Sex addiction. Yes, I know what that. what the hell like I mm. don't endorse the uh, concept of sex addiction. I also have a problem with that term. But Very like cool. a lot of sex educators like or I, I, I've seen sex educators use that term and I'm just like, really? Yeah. Babe? Yeah. Mm. <sighs> you know, it is, it is what it is. Good for them. If you want to keep right. using it, it doesn't resonate with me. So uh, that is a tricky question because, you know, it's kind of like I'm going to put, uh, or going to share with you a hypothetical scenario. So does someone who's more preoccupied with sex or invested in sex, instead of using the term, a sex addict, right? Someone who's more preoccupied with sex than the average person. Can that person be more likely to engage in sex outside 
his, her, their relationship or relationships? Perhaps. But what about that person actually engaging in this conversation and saying, hey, I want to have sex with other people and have open relationships. And then they, they negotiate the limits or boundaries with their partners and the rules of how to approach the open relationship. And they still have sex with other people. Is that cheating? Not really. Mm. Do you see right, how that right. might be problematic comparing? Yeah. Right, right. It's not just having sex outside of the relationship. Cheating is, again, boundary crossing of this mutual agreement of what fidelity and, uh, yeah, because like for whatever reason, like you could set up a boundary as like you're not allowed to follow him on social media anymore exactly. for whatever insane yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, you can have sex with him. Yeah, you can have sex with him. Just don't follow him on Instagram. <laughs> don't bring him to our place. Oh, well, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true because like there's this couple that I've interacted with. Uh, they're in an open relationship, but when I was at their house. Uh, we would only have sex in the guest bedroom. Like that, if they were to bring a guest into their master bedroom, that would be like crossing a boundary. So, okay, fair. I get that. But also, I was like, I wanted to see what was in your closet, you know? <laughs> so tempting. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the that's thing, because, you know, we tend to approach cheating in this very like black or white approach of or not sex. But it's more nuanced. I, I hope that after this conversation that we've had, you, you, we would come well, in, in, in an hour yeah. of the realization that it's a little bit more nuanced and it depends entirely on your own expectations and ideals and uh, what you want and that of your partner or partners. Right. Right. Okay. Coming from a, from someone that was cheated on, I just find it, I still find it very hard to empathize with him. Knowing what I know now after our discussion here, I get why I should be empathetic, but it's hard to be empathetic because it felt like such a huge like betrayal and like a statement on my worth as a person. And I'm just like, oh gosh. So how do I like get through that? How do I become more empathetic towards the cheater and like have a little bit more compassion for myself? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that one, one of the, of the words that you use caught my attention because you're like, I should be more empathetic. Wow. I don't like, I don't like you know what? Let me pay you for this therapy session. <laughs> so. Oh, so you're not paying me for my participation? <laughs> I was expecting kind of like I was <laughs> conversation. Oh my god! I'll send you um, a bottle of poppers. How about that? <laughs> they give me a headache, but thank you. But, <laughs> and the FDA doesn't approve of them. So. I know. Oh, fuck the FDA. Oh, food, my. dick, and I don't know. Uh, food and drug. Oh, I said food and dick. Clearly, right. what's on my mind? Yeah. Um, so let's you know rewind a little bit. The should, right? So, yeah, it would be perhaps useful to an extent, but you don't have to get there to that point right now. And it's a personal process. And uh, it takes time. It takes time. And, and it's expected and it's understandable that you feel, you know, these kind of negative, and I'm using quotations because I don't like calling negative, calling them negative and negative emotions towards this person in particular, that you still feel hurt about it that's that's understandable right but here's the thing and and we were talking about this before we started recording um when it comes to infidelity in the context of relationships 
romantic relationships. They can also be helpful to address issues in the partners who are relating, who are a part of this, if, if, who are a couple, right? Who are in this in this relationship to talk about those boundaries again, to reconnect, to build something different. That can be an opportunity for it. And some people mm. show great resilience and this bounce back uh, impact after an infidelity and some other people can't. Mm. So, but for those who cannot move forward and, and, and they decide to end the relationship because that happens and that's also valid, as I was telling you, there's a lesson there as well to be learned in terms of what matters to you, what you want out of a relationship and also making room for that pain to express itself. Oh, be there. Sit with it because it's telling you why, you know, relation, that relationship was important or or what you want out of relationship uh, of a romantic relationship or what makes you feel fulfilled in a sense. So again, how to process it. And I would steer away from giving you, you know, like a list, A, B, C, do this, do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind of gal. So <laughs> what, I, what I would say is definitely being able to allow these painful emotions to arise, to process them, to understand them, to pay attention to the message that they're telling you, to reflect upon what happened in the relationship, to try to understand both parts, both sides of the story, and to work really hard on the acceptance piece, because that might be that might be mm. one of the hardest aspects of it all, right? Accepting it. It is right. It happened. Right. And once you work on that acceptance piece and, and in which you come to terms with that, pain is gonna still be there, perhaps, but maybe more muted or not as intense as it was before. And it also allows you to look at your future and uh, decide what you want to do with this. Are you going to change things next time? Are you going to communicate differently? Or are you going to have a talk about infidelity before you engage or start the relationship? Are you going to tell this person, hey, last time this happened and it really fucking hurt me. I don't want to go through that again. What can we do to shift things a little bit? Ooh, wow. To put that kind of pressure on... Not only yourself, but on the other person. <laughs> like, uh, I get so cringy. I, I get, I get a visceral, like, physical reaction when it comes to anything emotionally vulnerable. That's why I pay people to listen to me <laughs> do that kind of shit. Ugh. You know, uh, people can be very, very avoidant. I know. That. Avoid an attachment here. Hello. <laughs> oh, I've heard that so many times, Tim. <laughs> so many times. Um. So here's the thing. Avoidance is a natural reaction and it's a natural response because we as human beings, we, we want to steer away from discomfort and from risk and from mm. you know hazards and whatnot. I get it. And at the same time, it's not the only way in which we can respond. There are other ways that are more adaptive, more effective, more useful. The urge to avoid might be there and it might feel cringy, but you don't need to act upon it. Mm. And that, okay. again, the kernel of truth, yeah, it's going to be there. And you're going to be like, oh, I need to go away. I need to flee. I'm having this conversation. It feels so awkward. And if you push through, you may realize that, you know, things worked out differently or that you reached an agreement that was useful. And you would look back on it and you would say, I'm glad that I didn't flee. I'm glad that I didn't avoid. 
I'm glad that I pushed through. It was uncomfortable as hell. Yes. And it was useful. Sounds a lot like bottoming. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> right? I'm going to use it from now on. <laughs> use it from now on. Thank you so much. Emotional yeah. bottoming? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it leads to a, a greater sense of satisfaction, right? Because the urge to avoid response to extreme discomfort. Ooh, there you discomfort, go. Does it kill us? Is no, yes, not. No. Not okay, really. fine. <sighs> so there is hope for relationships to be repaired after infidelity. There is hope. There is hope. And that's why I wanna I wanted to recommend the Esther Perel's books. She's amazing and does a lot of work uh, with you know couples who are struggling or dealing with the trauma of, of infidelity and uh, figuring out if they can build upon this experience together to change things in their relationship or not. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing that like, if you choose to repair this broken relationship, that's going to be like a very bumpy road because like the foundation of trust is essentially broken. And then you got to like start from ground zero and then work your way back up. Yeah. It's a, Ooh. it's a betrayal. It's definitely, it's, yeah. it feels like a betrayal, right? So mm. it puts you in a position in which you are at the like facing the threat of a loss of something very meaningful. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I it's agree. So, so something that you're deeply attached to, and that's why it hurts so much. Mm, right. She says it in a TED talk too, uh, where Esther said, "Like, um, since our first marriage didn't work, do you want to try our try again at our second marriage, or something like that?" Yeah, 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 which, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And I guess for me, like viewing the cheater as like this inherently evil person and just like they're not going to change they're going to go to hell i wish they would die like that's just such a hard feeling to let go of because like i'm just a vindictive little cunt but like (laughs) i guess i can start to be like okay it's not a reflection on me there was clearly something else going on and then you just failed to communicate what it was Unless they're being like a real dick, then I can be like, okay, bye. <laughs> Fuck of off. Course, of course. And you know what? I like how Esther, how she phrases it because there's an opportunity there for, for growth or for changes, but it also requires processing that initial visceral reaction of the feeling that, that someone has betrayed you. You need to process it and move past it in order to reconnect and say, you know what? This hurt like hell. I don't want to go through this again with you like this. I'm here or I'm deciding to work on this because there's other aspects of the relationship that fulfill me and that I like. What can I do about it? Or, you know what? Like, this is it. That's it. Just like, that's your boundary. You're not going to cross my boundary. Bye. Exactly. It's an opportunity to stop and say, okay, what I'm going to, what's going to happen now? Right, right. Mm -hmm. And that's like, would you say that that might be the best way to reduce the risk of cheating so that like you communicate constantly, you talk about your needs and then, you know, you draw your boundaries. Yeah. Draw your boundaries and check in. Let's say check, check in, in. And is, is literally like being open in your communication. If something's happening, if something's shifting, if you notice differences in how you're interacting, there's no harm in opening up to your partner and saying, Hey, I've noticed that this has been going on for a while. Do you want to talk about it? 
Mm, right. I was like, I noticed that you've been spending a lot of money on this <laughs> subscription. What's going on? Or like, they, you've been going out a lot. You know, like, <laughs> I, we've never done that in the past 15 years. Like, what's this? You know? <laughs> like, you know it's, it's about communicating that, right? Communicating. And if you have that open channel of pointing things out and putting them on the table and being able to tackle them together, that's one of the things that makes or breaks a relationship, right? Mm, oh my god wow i think before we get into any more discussions on cheating that is that is like a very beautiful note to end on <laughs> because i want to give the listeners some modicum of hope you know <laughs> some hope to take away from this conversation but if they didn't take away anything how or what would you like the listeners to take away from this with regards to cheating and how we can mitigate the risk of cheating, what to look out for? Like, what's the beautiful message that you want people to take away? Yeah, I, I would like for them to, to stop considering cheating as a taboo and to tackle it directly, to be open about it, to, to embrace that level of vulnerability involved in sharing what you want out of a relationship and to be very clear in, in terms of what, what they're looking for, what their expectations are. Because as I was telling you in the very beginning, people are not used to doing that. We, we are very prone to entering relationships without having that conversation with the assumption that people already know how a faithful relationship looks like. But the nuances of it the things that actually hurt us, our personal boundaries are not discussed openly when we enter the relationship with such assumptions. So when you stop seeing it as a taboo, as something that's that's happening, right? Maybe not embracing it as something that can potentially happen in your, your relationship because that can be very threatening, I understand. But that something that you can that you can tackle since the very beginning. That could be useful. That could uh, even strengthen the ties with your partner or partners. Partner or partners. Let's not forget about the polyamorous people. Come on, Hebran. <laughs> Aw, that's so sweet. That's better than anything I could have said because I'm fully going to end this episode by saying, fuck those cheaters. Like, I hope their body is found in a river somewhere. <laughs> Just never date. Stay single. <laughs> Clearly, I have <laughs> a lot of issues to work out. Oh, my God. Oh, Ibran, I am so thankful. Muchas gracias. Like, you are so wonderful and smart and intelligent. I am obsessed with you. I cannot get enough of you. Where can people find you? Because I'm pretty sure the listeners will not get enough of you either. So plug away. Make like a butt and plug. <laughs> I mean, I have my personal Instagram page, but that, that's by no means uh, pro uh, my professional account. I don't even have a professional account. Maybe I should. Have <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Instagram, Hibran uh, Sin Asento. Mm -hmm. Someone can decide. Can decipher that and actually. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Spanish, so yeah, Spanish speakers out there. But yeah, um, that's my personal Instagram page or. Um, yeah, I also started a uh, sex education company with a friend of mine uh, back in Mexico, but it's also weird. We offer services in Spanish. Um, it's called Instituto Soma. Right now, it's kind of like on hold because I'm finishing my studies here in Canada and whatnot, but we'll be resuming uh, activities soon. So, mm -hmm. And that's um, where people can book you for therapy? Yes. 
Yes, exactly. Um, if if you are, you know, right now that would be for people in Mexico, mostly. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, lovely. And also, like, it's just a good excuse for people to be like, my therapist is hot. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing with the idea of making my, my I mean, yeah. hey, if you're going to do your therapy sessions in just your tank top, nothing's ever oh going to get done. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, yo, my therapist is hot and he's smart and he posts thirst traps every single time on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm here for it. They're going to go back on his private account. Just like me with a tie. And the- <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Well, Iran, thank you again so much for coming on the show. And for everyone that's tuned in, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Sex Ed with Tim. I will see you at the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at SexEdWithTim. You can also like and follow me on the SexEdWithTim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! Thank you.